Language is crucial to understanding societies. It's crucial to recognising the ecological, social, political and economic conditions in which we live. We use language to frame problems, formulate solutions, to negotiate and communicate political and economic pitfalls. Language is interaction that can accelerate action. But language is also performance, and performances can be used to distract from inaction, to avoid action, or postpone action, as much as to accelerate it. And language is what we focus on in this second series of our Language and Power podcast. Today, we're looking at a political scandal in the UK that's become known as Partygate. Tom, do you want to introduce Partygate? So Partygate is the uh, alleged scandal, several gatherings that took place within 10 Downing Street, the home of the Prime Minister, and whether these amounted to breaches of the law on the one hand or to the COVID regulations that were in, ha- in place at any one time, but also whether they were uh, inappropriate conduct as well in terms of not necessarily legality, but in terms of what, you know, code of conduct from civil servants, etc. So there's been a lot of discussion about what took place, whether things took place, what the nature of things that took place were, and it's been uh, absorbed the parliamentary time, but also the British public for a couple of months now. So all sorts of interesting linguistic concepts there, and also lots of real interesting sound bites and documents for, for analysis as well. So really, really interesting for discourse and analysts. We'll start off with a text, and I think there's plenty to talk about in this. So there's the story broke before Christmas. So we're now recording this in 2022. And in December 2021, there was a bit of press coverage about these alleged parties, gatherings, as you said, in 10 Downing Street, Tom. And it became something something that, that kept growing because one party or gathering would be reported upon and it would be denied or or or, or diminished it. But then another one would would become uncovered and then another and another. And so it kept growing and growing and growing. And I think, you know, by, by Christmas, we, we, I mean, we spoke about this uh, before Christmas and thought, you know, would it, would it be the kind of thing that we'd do a podcast episode on? And we both said, no, it'll be over. This is, this is the end of it. But here we are months later and it's still going on. So that's the background to the, to this. So our first one is, a little bit of TV reporting. Our, f- our first clip is a, a little bit of, of live reporting. In fact, the clip comes from uh, a Daily Mail reporter interviewing the Prime Minister Boris Johnson. And in this clip, the reporter is asking the Prime Minister Boris Johnson whether or not uh, a party, alleged party, could be uh, considered as breaking the rules. It's only a very short one, but let's have a little... Listen. Can you explain how the December the 18th event didn't break rules? Because we followed the guidance at all times. But you did have a party. We followed the guidance at all times. But there was a gathering. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just going to have to tell you, we followed the guidance at all times and we will continue to follow the guidance at all times. A very short clip there, but with all sorts of implications. So... I think, Michael, you were talking about one of the things that you found really interesting there, that even in that short clip, we start seeing a lot of playing with semantics in different fields, and we can see how people can mm. strategically use semantics. 
Yeah, I, I think this is this is interesting, and it reminds me before before we start commenting on this particular text that quite often in political discourse in Britain, when a politician is asked something, what they mean when they say something, which is quite important by a reporter, they sometimes they do this this say, well, that's just semantics, as though semantics is nothing. Well, actually, semantics is very important because it's about what you mean, and it's about what you're talking about when you say what you're talking, what you're what you're saying. And so it's very important, particularly in, in, in politics. So that, you know, this is, this is important in terms of semantics because what, what we notice, even in this short clip, is that there are, there are a couple of reference. So when we, when one way of looking at semantics is what is it that you're referring to? What's the referent and what is the referring phrase that, that, that does the act of reference between the thing that you're talking about and the, and the way that you're talking about it? And in this short clip, or even in the first, the opening question from the, from the reporter, she asked, can you explain how the December the 18th event didn't break the rules? Now, I think there are a couple of important reference in, in, even in that, that question. There's the event, the yeah. December the 18th event. And then on the other hand, there's the, the rules which were in place under lockdown at the, at the time. And it's important that she's, that in this case, that she's made reference to two different things here. She said that at the same time. Now, the important thing is, is the rules. Did, did Johnson and other people working there break the rules? That to me is the important thing. And did they break the rules by having this December the 18th event? What he does is he, he picks up on that second reference, the rules except he changes it to guidance. They're both talking about the same thing, the referent, whatever that might be, whether it's the re legal requirements, whether you call them the legal requirements, the rules, the, the laws, guidance, whatever it is, the type of behavior that was expected at the time. But she calls it rules, he's, he calls it guidance. And I think the first important point here is that the answer to his the, the answer that he gives is because we follow the guide followed the guidance at all times. Now, if he'd have used the same words as the reporter, he would have said something like, "Can you explain how the December the eighteenth event didn't break the rules?" And he would have replied, "Because we didn't break the rules." That's what he's trying to say. But it's a very very circular. It would be a, a very very obviously circular tautological kind of response, which which would have looked ridiculous. So to get out of it, he's changed the words from rules to guidance, but in, a, in essence, what he's doing is, is, is making a kind of circular argument. We didn't break the, break the rules because we didn't break the rules. We didn't break the rules because we followed the guidance um, at all times. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, yeah. I, I, it also changes it slightly in that rules are, rules is rules, as they say, but guidance is only guidance. And it's this, it's a very fuzzy area that, that is interesting, just that not only in phrases that are maybe ambiguous in English where we're not quite sure if we've been given a rule or guidance, but also in the history of English where words that were used just for guidance now refer to rules. This change we see, for example, the word demand used to just mean to ask a question, now it means to set down a rule. And so we see this change, but in modern English we see it all the time and my kids laugh at me because I entered into correspondence one time with a shipping company who said, you're advised to do take your dogs not your advice not to leave your dogs in the car during the journey so i wrote and said well well is this just advice 
or is this a rule? Because uh, I wasn't sure if they were just advising me or telling me. And they went back and said, well, you advised not to do it. So they clearly knew what it meant and just repeated it. But I'm still left wondering, well, what, what levels this advice got? Because we tend to be quite polite when we make requests for people to do things. That hedging then sort of either becomes the new normal or it's totally ambiguous. And I'm going a bit off track here, but what the heck? Uh, but the point being, so you've got this term guidance. This is the sort of, I think, was the ambivalence that Johnson's playing with here on the one hand. It's guidance. Guidance is just guidance. I don't need to follow suggestions. I, you know, we don't necessarily need, it's not the same as the strict letter of the law. So I think his answer with the circularity, as you say, but he's also managed to downplay it a bit. It's guidance. Yeah. And I think importantly, what he's allowed himself there, he's not denying an event took place. He's not even referring to the event in any terms at all. So he's not denying that because that's easily provable as later things have, as it has it's been borne out that we now know there were events, uh, gatherings even. But he, he ignores that because that's something that he could be caught out on and instead just focuses on this. We didn't break the rules. We didn't, we followed the guidance at all times. And then even when it becomes pretty clear that he didn't quite follow the guidance, there's some deniability and you can say, well, oh, it wasn't very clear or I didn't understand it. So he's he's left himself in this position where he doesn't want to downright deny that these things took place because then he can be, get caught out. So he's just moved into this ambivalent area where he's not admitting it, but he's left himself room for escape if he gets caught out, I think. So yeah, really I, interesting. I, 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 yeah, I think that's right. And, and going back to this this idea that the, that the reporter asks about two, two distinct you know, as we'd say, the semantic reference, the, the party itself, the event itself, the event on the 18th of December and the rules, he picks up on the rules and calls them guidance and keeps saying we followed the guidance. But the reporter tries to stick with the party. She's, she starts off saying the December the 18th event. Then she changes the way she refers to that by saying, did you have a party? And then he says, oh, we followed the guidance. And then she has a third ago, she says, but there was a gathering. So she's got three different ways of talking about the same event. She's talking about the event. He's talking about the rules. Yeah. And because she's given him that space, by asking about two different things, it allows him to equivocate and say, well, I'm going to talk about this one thing that I've got a clear answer to, which is, yeah, I can talk about guidance rather than rules and, and, and say that I didn't do that. He, had, he, doesn't, he himself does not mention the event, the right. party, the, the the gathering, and that's really important, isn't it? It, 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 it it's it, he's not he's not going to talk about that. He's talking about the rules, and it means that he's buying himself time. There's a kind of tangibility about the event, which is provable or not provable, and but he he's found a way of avoiding talking about that. He's avoiding you know, that he's argument, not, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the it, it, reporter talks about the event, which is a totally non-committal term. It doesn't bite. Yeah. Then she pushes it up to party, which is clearly a bad thing in the, in the light of the, you know, in these circumstances. Still doesn't bite. And then she tries a third word, which is gathering, which is, it's not as damning as a party, but it's not as non-committal as event. It's got the potential for working. But at this stage, at this stage, Johnson's still not, entering into this, it's almost like you say, well, you're playing semantics with all these three words, but I'm above all this and I'm just going to tell you. And he make, you know, he comes out, he pretends to be very bothered and fed up with this pestering at the end. Look, look, I'm very sorry. I've told you, uh, 
we will we follow guidance at all times and we will follow all guidance at all times, almost accusing reporter trying to play with semantics while at the same time he's done exactly that by changing it from you know rules to guidance and avoiding the question but as we see later on that when it becomes very clear that there were events and this has to be addressed and the excuse of we followed guidance at all time no longer carry you know it, it doesn't work anymore then we do see a lot of work in the semantics of what what was the nature of of this event and i think to bring in quite an important linguistic point at this moment from linguistic theory very famous bit of linguistic theory by ferdinand de saussure when you're talking about reference and sense of words as well the idea that these words words get their meaning from words that are closely associated with them because they contrast with close words you know the difference between black and white is a matter of contrast black you know if, if the world was just black and white what was white would be white because it wasn't black, and what would be black would be black because it wasn't white. And that, you know, the words together they mean from their contrast. So here we see, I mean, that sounds like a daft philosophical semantic point, but here we see this jostling for position between what counts as a party, what counts as an event, what counts as a gathering. When we've got gatherings, it pushes us into an interesting area because gatherings were potentially illegal. Events were that word, but gatherings were because it means there was people there, but they're not illegal yet. They've got the potential to be illegal. So the, the gathering suddenly in this context gets a real meaning that's distinct from party event that, that it didn't have in my knowledge previously. It's actually not quite true, and I'll tell a wee anecdote about that in a minute, but <laughs> we see this jostling for meaning between these different events, and there's, there's a, a lot of time being, being spent over this in Parliament and in the press and in memes on on the internet and everything yeah yeah it, it's it, the 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 meaning of of party is, is quite clearly against the both the spirit and the letter of what became law during those in that lockdown period you you couldn't have a party that's clear having a party is clearly not work even if it's with people who you work with even if it's held in your workplace party is not work for 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 these people, I mean, a party. If you were if you were a party host, and that was, you know, if you were working hosting a party at you know, or, or an events organizer or something, then of course that's that's something different. But these people's job is not to have parties. You can have parties with people you work with. You have parties at work. It's called a work party, but it's not work. And that was clearly outside outside the spirit, and I think the letter of of what was supposed to be there at the time. Whereas gathering brings it into a grayer territory, doesn't it? Because it's being contrasted here with party and, and linked more closely to, well, if you're working, you are gathering with people. You know, if you're near people, you have to gather with them in a, in a sort of, yeah. in some sense, it's, it's stretching. It's stretching what you would normally think of as, as the meaning of that. But you can see why they, why they, they would try and do that. You know, it's distancing itself from the obviously wrong thing to do and, and they're trying to de-emphasize the 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 the, the, the misdemeanor character of, of, of what they're accused of having done yeah when you when you first mentioned this topic and we would start to talk about gathering it's interesting because both of us thought this had been a word that was introduced by by the tory party deliberately to to downplay it and it made me yes. laugh because when my son was a teenager and we went away on holiday and we came back and said did you have a party while we were away? His response was, it wasn't a party, it was a gathering. And so when I heard this phrase 
so many years later, I was having hysterics to think that the government was now now doing the same thing. And it turns out, you know, in, in the terms of my, my son as a teenager, a gathering was different from a party because there was no dancing or snogging. But I don't think that's the same distinction that's being used by the politicians here, but it's the same idea. And interestingly, we were both surprised to find out that gathering actually didn't start off in, in that context. It had been introduced before, and it's actually quite an important word in the legal definition. And this is how we see words get new meaning, because if we think about all the COVID regulations, it's to do with people being together and the danger of transmission. So you need a word that emphasizes people are together in close proximity, but without necessarily talking about the function so that you can then start saying, well, what gatherings are good and allowable and what gatherings are bad and not allowable. But until it's mm. a gathering, it's not even a problem because there's no chance of you know spreading germs. So gathering sort of became this, this term that was neutral, but still implied potentially illegal or, or, or unethical. So you then get this fine jostling about how are we going to define this, this party, this gathering, sorry, and just looking at various documents, including the Wikipedia reference to Partygate and the history of it, and even the, the Sue Gray report, we see that there's a lot of work that, done around gathering. Uh, because you see this, this big fight. Was it a work gathering or a social gathering? And then we see what we've got when, when we put words like that at the beginning, we call them classifiers, and then we make them into different categories. So a work right. gathering is distinct from a social gathering. It becomes a different event. But they have to work to push it into either of those categories. So you can say when people are first talking about categories on Wikipedia or in the news or, or uh, uh, on social media, they start talking about the gathering. Well, it was a gathering involving six people or it was a gathering for a birthday party or it was a gathering at which alcohol was served. So you start getting these qualifications and these sort of adjectives and qualifying phrases pushing the word gathering either into the category, work category, work gathering or social gathering without necessarily doing that. And it's like a tug of war, throwing all these adjectives and descriptions and qualifiers at the word with one side trying to pull it firmly into the classification of a, a work gathering and the other side pulling the other way, trying to push it, it into the category of social gathering because the difference in outcome for the, for the government is, is huge. And uh, I mean, I'll, perhaps we'll anticipate slightly what, we're, what we might speak about in a future episode is, is the, the what is also famous now in the UK, the Gray Report or her initial update. We'll, we'll give the context about that when we come to talk about that, perhaps in the future. But one of the things, one of the key kind of paragraphs of, she talks about the, 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 the timeline of regulations. And the first one is that in the 26th of March, 2020, restrictions on leaving one's homes without a reasonable excuse, first announced on the 23rd of March, come into a f legal effect in England. So restrictions on leaving your house. So that was the lockdown. It came into legal force on the 26th of March, 2020. Now, the important thing where you, in, in relation to what you're saying there is very limited exceptions uh, permit travel to work where it is not reasonably possible to work from home and participating in a gathering of more than two persons is prohibited. So you've got that word gathering. And, and you can see why they want to use that word gathering because it, it, they want to cover all sorts of situations, whether it's for work, whether it's for having a social time, whether it's for just meeting and having a chat, whether it's delivering some, bringing, you know, something to, you know, to one of your relatives. They want to cover everything. So that's why they use this very, very um, broad term of gathering. 
more than two persons is prohibited. But then, and this is where the where where it muddies the water, except where the gathering, and then there's a quote here, is essential for work purposes. And that's the qualifier that I think we're seeing our our government, or at least uh, the prime minister, trying to find a bit of wiggle room. Yeah, and so now that, that you've got a new, well, when we're talking about obligations again, essential then becomes interesting because you can say that, like you said at the beginning, you can have work parties, mm. but at, at what stage are they essential for work? Yeah. I mean, what then makes them, you know, a work event with alcohol or an alcoholic event where people talk about work? You know, it's, it's yeah. that yeah. difference. It's, it's really interesting. Well, just as you were saying that, I noticed a really interesting thing there as well and how the semantics of gathering has changed in another way. A gathering of two of more than two people, which is implying mm. that there's such a thing as a gathering of two people. Now, I, yeah. I would never refer to two people standing no. on the street corner as a gathering. And maybe no. if my son's <laughs> parties had been gatherings of just two people, I would have found it more worrying <laughs> than if it had actually been a full-grown party. But it does show that as this word is co-opted, is taken into a new context, it actually changes in meaning. Suddenly, we can have. We need to talk about an event where there's more than one person present, so we can spread disease. And we use the word gathering, which didn't really mean only two people, mm. but now can do because yeah. we need it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been a meeting of two persons, wouldn't it? You, you, you meet with another person. Yes. You don't gather with another person. And the meeting does turn. But I suppose that makes it oh, work meeting, social meeting again. The yeah. Ambiguity. Yeah. 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 So, so, so this is, you know, this is, this is fascinating. We, so what we've got is this, is this, this scandal allegations. And there are photographs of, of, from inside number 10 Downing Street that we've seen in the news where there are bottles of alcohol, champagne, people wearing party hats and various other things that, that, that look like parties. And that's what it's all about. But then, then it's about the denial. And I think at this point, I mean, what we've seen is the prime minister not admitting to things that would require him to immediately resign. And although it looks to many observers that the evidence is overwhelming, all of this semantic play is buying time by, by, by not making that sort of crucial admission. And it buys time for the prime minister. We were talking about this back in December as a possible topic and dismissed it. But here we are, as we, again, we said months and months later, it's still hanging around the, the news agenda and, and, and the prime minister is still there. You know, it's, it's still, as we record it, still the prime minister. It's interesting as well, you're um, saying about he, he doesn't admit to anything that would make force him to resign. But at the same time, if he's caught out lying to the house, then he would more or less be forced to resign as well. So he's playing this game where he's neither admitting it nor denying it in such a way that can be proven mm. as lying. And, and of course, you're not allowed to accuse a fellow politician of lying inside the House of Commons. And we've seen politicians ejected for, for saying that about Johnson right. refusing to take it back. So this whole idea of semantics, suddenly playing with semantics, become, you know, I can't call you a liar, but I can say you're misleading. Churchill used to talk about terminological inexactitudes, or I can't say there was a party, but I can say there was a gathering. I can't say I was required, but I can say I was guided. So that playing with semantics becomes a real political life or death game here. Yeah, yeah. It does. And where, where it will lead, we, we're, we're, we'll yet to see. And, and we'll, we will come back to the Grey Report in, in a future episode because 
there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff in 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 terms of language should we i mean should we just talk about power i mean we keep talking about language and, we, and we're sort of implying power is it is there something we can say about the relationship between language and power in this in this context podcast, isn't it? yeah <laughs> yeah i mean I, one of the things that's interesting here if we do think about the relationship between language and power is that because because this is the prime minister he has a certain amount of power within the the framework of the united kingdom polity in which there's there's very few people who have um political power over him in a, in a in particular instances uh, such as this so 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 he has asked people to resign from his number 10 um, Downing Street operation and people have left and been forced out and he's sacked, I think, various ministers or over the over previous things. But there's nobody in a position of power with the power as an individual to sack the prime minister. And so he's able to play these semantic games without having to be immediately accountable to somebody who can ask pointed questions of him. So the reporters try it, but they, they're not in a, the same kind of relationship of power as, as, a, as a, a boss, or for, for example. So the, 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 the fact that he's playing with semantics is, and getting away with it, should I kind of, kind of say, getting away with playing with semantics, is partly a condition of political structures in the UK, which means that in order to remove the prime minister from office, other things have to happen, and they haven't happened yet, such as you know a general election or the Conservative Party in this case deciding to have a vote of no confidence, or the or Parliament having deciding to have a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister, and in his his semantic plays bought him time to push that potential for votes of no confidence down the road a, a little bit. It does, um, and when you talk about the, the people who do have some power over him, which is his fellow Conservative MPs, and if, is it, 56 of them sign a letter of no confidence and a vote has to be held. And there's also the 1922 committee, which is the very hidden in the background people who run the Conservative Party and, and uh, think about its long-term survival rather than its short-term gains, I think would be a reasonable way of thinking about them. And so therefore, you know, his, what, what's he accountable to, but also what's, what's he accountable for? And in terms of his fellow MPs and also the 1922 committee, there are two things where, yeah, if he's considered to have behaved inappropriately to having fund gatherings, or if he's considered to have lied, there might be enough people who, on moral grounds, just straight away think he's not fit to be prime minister. And we've seen one or two people come out and do that. Others are holding their cards close to their chest and they see what other people do but there's also and i think for all parties the real power is is he still capable of winning the next election for us and for me keeping my safe seat they're not actually judging him on whether he had a party whether he's telling the truth but whether he can get away with it enough to drag them over the finishing line by force of his personality, which is what, what Johnson seems to rely on. So, yeah, his, it's accountability to whom and for what becomes very, very mixed in. So power is messy as usual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, I don't know, for, for our listeners 
who are not in the UK. It might sound very bizarre that we don't have the kind of mechanisms that can that can sort these things out, or maybe maybe it doesn't. But yeah, there we have it. It's uh, it's a question of language being used in a context of power, which allows that language to be used, and the using that language in this particular way allows the the, pa- the power that Johnson has to continue. There's a, a really interesting kind of relationship uh, going on there. Yeah, it's not that language is all powerful. It's not that the, the power structures are independent of language. The two are very, very closely enmeshed. And you can see this as a, as a really, you know, from a language and power point of view, a really, really fascinating situation that we find ourselves in in, in, in Britain at this point. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next week on a different topic. Goodbye.